God bless you all this morning. Just to give you a little background on what actually uh, took place, we're going to begin the transition into the love language, which are going to begin next week. In the midst of everything that we're doing and what we're presenting to you, I don't want it to get lost that in and of ourselves, we cannot do a thing, okay? It's only through the transforming power, okay, and the power that comes through Jesus Christ. Because what happens is worldly knowledge world, and worldly um, understanding and wisdom gets you only so far because that is based on the me and what I want for myself. But when it's based on God, it's what can I give to you? Not so much what I, what I can receive, but what can I give to you? And I wanted to say, I said, Lord, we really have to start at that place. We have to start at the place, at the place of transformation. Many of us go through our lives and we go through situations and we've been, maybe some have been in the Lord for a long time. Maybe others are new and you're still struggling with stuff, okay, that um, blocks you from getting into, uh, 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 you know, into the presence of the Lord or really growing. Um, and you say, my God, but, you know, if you've transformed me, why am I still going through this stuff? So the outline, we build up on it, and that's what we're going to present today. And it's actually on transformation. Transformation, a complete change in, usually into something with an improved appearance or usefulness. Metamorphosis, a marked change in appearance, character, condition, or function. Human beings as God intended. God created us to be a whole functioning unit. We were created with a divine essence and a human essence able to interact with the spiritual earth, earthly realms in perfect unity. Next slide, please. We are considered to be tripartite. We are body, soul, and spirit. Okay? So you see the center of the spirit, the soul, and the body. The body is just a shell. The soul is where our emotions, our feelings, our thoughts, everything lies. And then, of course, the spirit, which also functions in the same way. Amen? Next slide. But I wanted to show you this picture. Click it again. Perfect. In the beginning, God, when God created man, man was in a unified state with others and God. There was unified self. And you see that self I put in parentheses. And it's because the self, um, not that, like I remember I said that we're, we want to be self-sufficient. But in the beginning, there was so total unity that they, were, they, they totally, they, were, they imitated. They were complete, complete, um, they were, they were, they were image, uh, mirror images, rather, of their creator. And there was total unity. The unified self was complete. There was no, no feeling of discord. There was no feeling of um, uneasiness, unsureness. N none of that existed. There was perfect unity. They reflected the creator. They reflected God. Next, next one. And these, were, these are the things that we see. Now, um, everything that you see here was actually developed by a psychologist. Christian psychologists. And in the world, you see that in psychology, you have um, a lot of these, they, they, they explain all these different um, words here, acceptance, belonging, competence. But um, they explain just the psyche part of it. But because we are believers in Christ, we have to believe and understand that we are a complete unified being. All right? Whenever any aspect of this is out of line, the whole aspect, every, every, the whole part of you is out of line as well, okay? In the beginning, there was total acceptance. When God created Adam and Eve, there was total acceptance. There was belonging. 
there was competence. There was equity. Equity has to do with fairness, okay? Identity. They knew who they were because they were in the, they made in the exact image of their creator. There was security. There was significance. And there was transcendence. Transcendence tends to have a very negative connotation, okay, in the world today. But what transcendence actually means is refers to a sense of meaning and purpose for life that stems from one's relationship with God. It is the ability to discover and experience patterns of life, life meaning that goes beyond purely the natural, is being connected to God for eternal purposes. That is a positive meaning for transcendence, not the, word, not the world's meaning of transcendence today. Amen. So these are all the verses. If you read um, chapter uh, one through one through three in Genesis, and it explains this relationship that Adam and Eve had with God. Okay, but what took place? Next slide. After the fall, this is what took place. First, there was alienation and division from Adam and Eve with God. Okay, and. Just so you can understand what happened, prior to the fall, human morality perfectly reflected the holiness and righteousness of God. What Satan did was he appealed to Eve's sense of equity, where we deal with when we think about our, whether something is fair or not, he dealt with her in that area. And he made her question and doubt God. Okay? But he basically said, called, uh, he called God a liar. And I have to read that um, chapter, to, that, those verses for you. And it is in uh, Genesis 3, verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So right there he called God a liar. But you see, God has set up boundaries for, boundaries for them for their protection, for their safety. They had choice, but God has set these boundaries. And understand that even though we, we, we <laughs> when, you're, when you're in the Lord, you know, when you're not serving the Lord, you want to do what you want to do. And in the Lord... You may want to do that, but the Spirit of God will teach you, you know, I, these are the boundaries that the Lord has placed in me because in those, he knows me. He knows my, my, my ways. And, and then if I'm left to my, my, own, uh, my own devices, I'm going to destroy myself. But when we follow the Lord, God gives us everything that we need. We are total and complete. So even though we have, we have, become, we have been, become alienated from God because of Jesus Christ, that's been restored. All right? So we have the ability to have acceptance, belonging, security. Can you go to the next? Okay. Albert loves this picture. This is in the Sistine Chapel, and it shows the creator, it shows God and Adam reaching. So that space in between signifies the chasm or the separation that took place because of the fall. Such a small little space, but what a big division. It, what, it just totally separated us from God. Next, please. So what happens? After the fall, what happened was that the self 
you saw the two circles, you saw the others and self. What happened was it became fragmented. Fragmented meant that it said that it became divided. So where the soul, the soul and the, the, the body and the soul, the, the spirit, the soul and the body unified, worked as one, it started to, it became divided, okay? It came out, of, it, it went out of sync. So in the place of acceptance, it, we received then what they started to experience was rejection and shame. Where we had belonging, it developed into isolation. Competence became inadequacy. Equity became victimization. Identity became confusion. Security became anxiety. Significance became worthlessness and transcendence became meaningless and chaos. Okay, meaningless and chaos. Adam and Eve were secure until they rejected the boundaries God had put around them to protect them from disaster. Satan painted those moral spiritual boundary lines as unfair and restrictive, demeaning to those that should see themselves as sovereign gods living in absolute freedom. The moment that Adam and Eve sinned or ignored their boundaries, they felt vulnerable, exposed, and anxious. What took place um, here is that man's worldview became uh, distorted. The spirit, the, the spirit, the soul, and the body were never supposed to be divided. It was supposed to always be one. But what took place? Because of the, the pain, okay, we know that when Adam and Eve, when God called to them, what did they do? The first thing that they did was what? They hid. Amen. So when we begin to deal with shame, guilt, and fear, those are the reactions that we have, okay? Shame, guilt, and fear. Shame makes us hide. Fear, okay, has its ramifications as well, okay? Fear and so does guilt. We begin to blame others for our own situations. And there's also denial. We don't take, uh, we, don't, we don't accept the, the things that we have, and we don't take, accept responsibility for the things that we do. Okay, so that is what, that's how we, but that's how we learned, that's what man did, that's how, that's how they, they, uh, they learned to react with the pain of the initial separation. God made us to be relational, and that never changed, that remains today. We are relational people. It's when in, we're in relationship with someone else that we actually, uh, we, are, we are identified by that person. Sometimes that's a good thing. Other times it can be a bad thing. Now, Minister Mickey um, and Minister Lewis touched on how when you're developed in the belly of your mother, your personality, you are who you are. God gave you, God, God created you to be a specific way. Uh, wound up in that, you have these eight, and, but not the deficits, but you have these eight things. Acceptance, belonging, competence, equity, identity, security, significance, and transcendence. This is all interwound into who we are. When we are born, okay, how our mothers react with us or how our mothers treat us, how our babysitters treat us, how our grandmas treat us, our brothers, our sisters, uncles, aunts, will determine how we react to the world with that different bend, the old man bend, okay? Now we are, because of Adam's sin, now it's the, we're, we're, the, the, we're, we're, uh, we're fragmented, we're not whole, we're not complete. But everything that we do is through that lens. Pastor touched about that uh, a few weeks ago also, that how, you know, um, we react to people in specific ways. 
and that has to do with learned behaviors. You know, when, if I come out with someone angry, uh, someone may say something to me, and it may not be something that they really meant to say to me in a negative way, but I'll take it that way because of how I've learned to react to situations. Amen? Um, but thank God. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Amen? Because through Jesus Christ, okay, all of these things can be brought into order again. And though we not, we're, not, we're not perfected, our bodies are still the same, we're still dealing with, we're dealing with this flesh, the spirit man, when you accept the Lord Christ as your Savior, you accepted him, you were, or you were renewed. Definitely, immediately, your spirit was renewed immediately. All right? You were restored to God immediately. That initial sin was, was, was corrected. You now have access to God because of Jesus Christ, okay? That separation and alienation does not exist, but we still have to deal with the flesh, our learned behaviors, how we react to one another. So a lot of the deficits um, that we have, when we, um, when we actually allow the Holy Spirit to, to work with us, it, be, it reverts back to what it should be. But it's a learning process, and every day we have to come before the Lord, submit ourselves to be transformed, Okay, and, and I'm not going to go into Albert's thing. Albert has a, there's a whole lot more that I, that I have, but I'm not going to dwell because I'll go up on a tangent too. But um, I'm going to, I'm sorry. Next slide, please. I'm sorry. Okay, so reconciliation is made possible through the building, bridging atonement of Jesus Christ by first restoring our relationship with God. And we already touched on this. Amen. Understand that it's never us in our strength. We can never do it. If that were the case, Jesus Christ would never have come. God knew that we needed somebody. We needed something that would restore us back to him. Okay? And that's why Christ came. Through Christ, we have been restored. Now, what we want to touch upon is why do we stay in the same place? And understand, everything that we're giving you is to build you up to recognize yourself because one of the things that, that when we come to Christ, one of the things that we have to do is have, make our own self-assessment. What is my responsibility for where I'm at? Not somebody else's. I'm not going what, what to, my, what is my responsibility? What am I going to do to get to that right place with God? And it takes transformation. Daily coming before the Lord to be transformed. Submitting yourself to the Spirit of God so that God can create that change in you. So that God can restore you to that which he created you to be. So that you are not the image of what people say you are. Your identity is not in who what people say you are. It's what, who God says you are. Okay? Who God says you are. Not what someone said you were, but who God says you are. Amen? So I'm going to um, just read one verse then I'm going to pass it on to Al. And it's in Colossians 3, 12 to four, through 14. I had a lot of verses, but we'll just go with this one for now. And it speaks to the character of the new man. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you must also do. But above, above all things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. Part of our problem is that we don't know how to forgive and we don't receive forgiveness. And in order to progress, that's got to be dealt with, guys. Okay? That is the basis. Minister Tony touched on love a few weeks ago. 
We've been talking about relationship. We cannot grow. We cannot do anything if, it's, if that's not dealt with. That's got to be dealt with in order for the Spirit of God to then continue, continue to work in us and perfect us and make us into the image of Christ. Amen? So I'm going to pass this on to my husband. Uh, next slide. If you notice that um, the title of the sermon is Transformation, and Liz took us from the actual state in which God created us. You know, we were perfect in our relationship with him, but something happened along the way. The fall created a deficit. In other words, there were things that were missing from us that were originally designed in order to meet our purpose. So in other words, our process, our eternal process was altered because of that fall. And as you can see up here, I have an image of a butterfly. It's um, earlier stage as a, um, a caterpillar. And then the intermediate stage, which is the, um, the pupil or the pupa or the chrysalis. Now, in order for us to have a, a grasp above the, um, the five love languages, one of the things we have to understand is that in order for us to really grasp it and operate in those love languages, we have to go through a certain process or, as we say, a transformation or, in another fancier word, a metamorphosis. There's a spiritual metamorphosis that has to take place. It was built in us. It's the way our Heavenly Father designed us to be. The only problem is, is that through our metamorphosis, we have decided to halt the process. So I want you to understand that many of us here, no matter what spiritual level that you're in, no matter where you're at in terms of your relationship with God, some of us have altered that metamorphosis uh, process. Now, when we look at the word um, transformation. We look at the uh, root word transform. Now, that word comes from the Greek word metamorpho. So it means for a creature to go through a transformation from one form or substance. Or in other words, the character, the well-being, it also changes with that creature. In the insect world, there are four stages. We go from the egg to the, um, the caterpillar, or it depends on the type of uh, the species of the insect we're talking about, to the chrysalis or the pupa stage, and then eventually the end result which was intended, the butterfly. But when you look at the caterpillar, in this, in this segment right here, this is, uh, this is a picture of a monarch butterfly, and that's the uh, caterpillar itself. You see, in, in, that, in, the, in, the, in the insect world, right, that metamorphosis goes from the caterpillar into the what? Into the chrysalis. So it's eventually there is a, a, a great process involved in that. But as for the uh, caterpillar, right, the caterpillar basically ravenously eats vegetation, eats leaves, right? Its mouth and its digestive system was adapted to meet that need. But the butterfly has a different um, system which has a sectoral type of um, straw-like mouth, which is designed to draw out the nectar from the flower into itself, assimilating it into what we call honey. So when you look at the, um, the butterfly making that assimilation, the verse that came to mind was how we draw that honey 
And when we talk about the uh, when we talk about honey, we're talking about tasting God's word. And the and the verse that came to mind was Ezekiel, chapter three, verses one to three. And I'm going to have Elizabeth to read that for me. Moreover, he said to me, "Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel." So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, "Son of man, feed your belly." And fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Now, I look at the butterfly, I look at, I look at this as our process and what we go through in our Christian walk. Sometimes um, Jesus has used natural surroundings. In other words, he'll use nature to depict or describe the kingdom of God. In other words, how we operate. And that is also seeing in nature. So I specifically want to uh, show you this. Not only that, when you look at your... Um, this is no coincidence. When you think about what's on the face of our program, the butterfly. When you think about that, and I, it didn't occur to me when I went to do the research. It just dawned to me today, and I look at this and I say, wow. And when you consider, it's also Pastor... Pastor Gwen's uh, favorite among all the insects. But when you look at the, um, the caterpillar, the caterpillar is also earthbound. It spends a short period of its life on its belly, has a series of muscles for a specific function to move about and to eat, to engorge itself. Because it is preparing itself for the next stage. As for the butterfly, it has a much different function. Because for the butterfly, not only that it has a specific function as for, as for um, let's just say, transforming from the, from the caterpillar stage. But its function, other than what the caterpillar does, its primary function was to soar, to fly. To go from its formal life. But in the process from which the caterpillar goes into the metamorphosis to the butterfly, it has to go into an intermediate stage. And that is the chrysalis. And it's interesting that the, in the chrysalis, the caterpillar, if you could go to the next, uh, next slide. The caterpillar is engorged has eaten to, the, to its full potential, the now it must transform. In other words, it's been given exactly what is needed to, to proceed to the next level. So then it hangs from a tree or, or actually a uh, small branch, and it becomes solidified. But here's the thing. When we look at the chrysalis, it, it's like a death-like you know, case in itself. But one thing I, I just studied and I just remembered that the caterpillar, in order for it to go into that stage, it must die. So in other words, the function, its earthly function, in other words, the function that is earthbound for the, uh, uh, for the caterpillar must cease to exist. It doesn't operate anymore. So in other words, it goes into a different stage. As it's actually developing, it's turning into a different creature. Adapted for a different purpose. In other words, it was intended to become a butterfly all along. It doesn't remain a caterpillar. 
The only problem is, is that when you look at us, how many of us have remained in, in, in a certain state? If you, look at it, if you look at life itself, the trees, if you look at everything out there, it must grow. It doesn't have a choice. In other words, um, a tree doesn't say, well, I'm going to stop to grow and it will remain a sapling or remains in the early stage as an acorn. Eventually, it was designed to become what? An oak tree, a fully grown oak tree, which takes years. In other words, a process. It's a very slow process. And the process by which the, um, the caterpillar becomes a butterfly is not an instantaneous process. It's a slow process. But the problem is, is that if the process is averted or actually uh, halted, or we speed the process, it can mean death. It could be, um, let's put it this way, an immature growth. I remember, I don't know if the pastor mentioned it, but um, there was a story, and I think he might have mentioned, where um, there was a uh, butterfly, actually a chrysalis, and the butterfly was actually coming out, coming out, struggling. In other words, it's, 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 gathering its, it's actually gathering its strength, and all of a sudden, someone pulled it out. To help it. In other words, let me help it free itself. And what happened was the butterfly wasn't able to finish its growth process. In other words, it died. Because in the struggle of that butterfly coming out of its encasement, there is strength. There is a strength. So what I'm saying is that in our struggle, there is a strength that is, is achieved. And a lot of us feel that, you know, in our struggle, we feel weak. And this is where God challenges us in that struggle. You see, when Christ was on the cross and he went through these struggles, went through the torment, he still had strength, strength to endure. But if you notice in this picture right here, you have a caterpillar, but the shadow is as of a butterfly. In other words, it's a foreshadowing of what we are meant to be. See, we are meant to be like Christ. We are meant to be in the image of Christ. In other words, we are supposed to undergo the metamorphosis. The only problem is, is that we, or some of us, have halted that process. And yes, we, are, we, we, we call ourselves Christians, men and women of God, we are members of a church. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We engorge or take in the word of God, just like this caterpillar. But in the process, where we are, we should be much higher. We should be soaring, just like this, uh, like, like, like in, in the scripture, like the eagles. We should be soaring. You see, we are the ones, it's interesting about human beings, we limit our growth. Yet our bodies are going to grow. No matter what, we're going to grow, we're going to mature physically because that's what the body does. It will die one day. But our minds have to mature. Our minds have to develop. And this is a choice that we take. It's a choice that we would make. In other words, a relationship with Christ has to be a choice. Like this caterpillar, it becomes a new creature, a new creation. Just like us, when we have chosen to um, accept our Lord and Savior as our own, 
we have become a new creature, a new creation. If you look at um, Romans 1 to 2, Liz, if you can read that for me. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So the metamorphosis uh, process for all Christians starts with the renewing of the mind. The mind has to change. The body is already changing. It's all catching up. But we have to change on the inside. So in other words, we have to make a choice. Sin is a choice. If we are new, a new creation in Christ, then we should not be sinning. Because sinning is a choice. It's a choice. You know, we say a lot of things about the devil made me do it. I'm having problems. I'm oppressed and everything else. But the problem is we need to know who our identity is. The whole purpose of this of the sermon is, is to get back to the beginning of what God said we are. Let us create man in our image and likeness. To operate, we are supposed to operate exactly the way God has intended. But it is very difficult because in that process, we have a lot of distractions. And the distraction is that a lot of us, we have been redeemed. In other words, have been set free from our bondage. And we look outside in the world and we are reminded about our past. And when you look at the caterpillar, the caterpillar is now not bounded. By that old life. In other words, the old man has gone away. And then there's a new man. A new person in you. So there is a process. In other words, we have to, one, accept the Lord, our God, Christ Jesus, as a choice. And that takes surrender. A surrender. When we praise the Lord, when we have our hands up in the air and we're praising, that's an act of surrender also. Because worship is not confined by just basically our songs and our dance and, and what we do. But it's also an act of what? Surrender. It's what we call being obedient. It's called faith. Faith and obedience through that transformation, godly transformation. Let's go into, a, let's go into the next slide. Now, uh, now, transformation or metamorphosis, a spiritual meta metamorphosis is a process. So these are the principles in how spiritual change takes place. The first one, a deep, lasting spiritual change is a process. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, my brothers and sisters, you know, we are in a process. It's not going to happen overnight. The old saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's not going to happen. You know, a lot of us, when we came to the Lord, you know, some of us, uh, you know, we, we spoke in tongues. Some of us had an instant, you know, revelation. And some of us, we just, okay, you know, I'm a child of God now. You know, where, I don't feel it. So some things have changed. So in other words, there is a lasting spiritual change. So are the process in which we're going, in other words, God wants to, it, it, it get us to a position where it becomes a deep lasting change 
And we're talking about an eternal change. Because, ladies and gentlemen, eternal life begins now. It doesn't begin after death. Understand this, that a lot of us feel that, well, eternity starts when we draw our last breath. That's incorrect. It starts when we accept the Lord, our Savior, as as, as our own. The next one is spiritual change requires desire. We must have a desire. We must desire God. God desires us. He He desires a deep relationship. A relationship that requires a choice. The second one is spiritual change flows out of an intimate relationship with Jesus. So it starts with Jesus. Having that intimacy with God starts with his son. Like the painting, you know, the, 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 um, the one where the, um, whoever takes the son takes it all. So it starts with Jesus. The next one, spiritual change requires discipline. There is a discipline. I mean, God is a God what? Of what? Order. Order and discipline. See, you know, God is, God is wonderful. He's great. And, you know, he is stern. It's called tough love. Sometimes, you know, we don't like when God has to rebuke us. Sometimes God has to, you know, kick us. He may have to nudge us in a way. So there's a discipline that requires that. In other words, dipping into the word. It's hard. I know it's hard getting into the face of of our Lord, praying, opening that book, which is immense. It is a process. The next one is spiritual change is brought by, brought about by the Holy Spirit as we exercise faith and obedience. So even though we accept the Lord and, and the, process be, the process began when Jesus uh, drew his last breath on the cross and forever the world was changed. So a process began, but it also began way before that. So there was a process that was already in full effect, even before the foundations of the earth. That process was still in effect. So the Holy Spirit is the one that brings about that transformation. And why we struggle? Because one, we have to submit to the Holy Spirit. Next, spiritual change is possible and assured because of new life we received when we were born. So, There is an assured life, new life. The minute we become born again, we're different. We may not have felt the change, but we are different. We feel different. I don't know about you, but (laughs) at work, I'm a police officer. I've been a cop for, what, 18 years. I don't don't cuss if it slips out. I say, whoa, you know, Lord, where did I come from? It's hard for me to operate in an environment that I was in the past. I was a soldier, and believe me, I cussed like a sailor like like there was no tomorrow. But I'm different. You know, I look at myself, and I look at myself, and I say, wow, you know, what God has done for me. And this is only just scraping the surface. It's just scraping the surface. Believe me, he has yet to done a complete work in all of us, especially us, because that completeness starts actually begins when we draw our last breath we become perfect next slide there are seven keys for spiritual transformation these are important there are seven keys 
The first one is become dead to sin through repentance and faith in Christ. You know, Scripture says that we have to carry our cross daily. We have to die unto ourselves. You see, even though, unlike the caterpillar, you know, the butterfly, he's already, he doesn't have to worry about going back to its old nature. Because all he's going to, all that butterfly is going to do is fly around, pollinate those flowers, suck that ne nectar, and of course, that taste of honey within themselves. Never has to go back, crawl on a belly, munch on a couple leaves and all that. It's free to soar. It's free to soar. But we have to die to ourselves. Even though we are free from sin, from the first sin that separated us, us from God, we were separated. So we have been renewed. We're talking about the, 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 the spirit, not the body. The body is still tainted. So that's why we are still bound. We're still bound by the flesh. Imagine being a caterpillar for the rest of your life. Not being able to transform into this higher, evolved, or as we say, a spiritual process. Not able to do that. But there's a choice. Because we are supposed to be much greater than what we look ourselves to be. So we have to die to ourselves. Yes, you're going to fall short. Yes, you're going you're gonna to blow it. We're, we're going to make mistakes, but we have to quickly ask God for repentance. God is a merciful God. He loves you, and he's tough, tough love, but he's merciful. He will forgive you of all your sins, no matter how bad you are. I don't care if this is your first time in church here, and you feel so filthy. It's like, how can God love me? He died for the world. He died for the murderers. He died for people that did much worse than what you can imagine. Number two, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Just like Peter when he was walking on the water. What happened? He was walking because he, his eyes were fixed on Christ. The minute he started to look at the waves and the tormental weight, you know, the, the rain and everything else, which represents the circumstances that we go back to. In other words, we start to look at our old lives. The things that are, the people are still saying about us. And every time we do that, we're, we're, we're straying away. Our eyes are off God. Number three, saturate your mind and your heart with the word of God. Goes back to um, the verse, uh, Romans. Romans 12, 1, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we have to change our program. It's tough, but we have to change. Number four, tear down the idols of your heart. Who do we worship? Scripture says that we cannot serve two masters. Who are our gods? Do we have other gods? I'm not talking about, you know, botanica, santeria, you know, uh, all that stuff with the little saints and all that. I'm talking about what you put more emphasis in your life, what's more important to you. And if it's not God who is first in your life, then that's an idol before him. That's an idol. So you don't have to worship a statue or shoelace and all that. Whatever you put more emphasis than your relationship with God, that is an idol. Number five, submit yourself to God and have someone keep you accountable. 
Ladies and gentlemen, yes, we don't know it all. I don't know it all, you know? I don't. I'm just, I'm just beginning to understand where I am as a minister, as a man of God. I seek many of you, and it's some of you, I come to you to be accountable. When I fall, let me know. Let me know. Say, ow, you, hey, you're out of turn. Let me know. I'm not going to be offended. Let me know. Because if you can do that for me, you truly love me. Number six, yield to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That's a big one. How many times we hear the Holy Spirit prompting us, don't do this. Don't look at that woman. Don't look at that guy, right? Don't do this. Don't do that. Oh, man, it's 2 a.m. in the morning. How many times we hear that beautiful, nice little whisper and say, hey, it's time for business. We have to listen because in our transformation, ladies and gentlemen, it's through the Holy Spirit. He is the one that explains what needs to be done, where we should go. He is our divining rod. He is our compass. He is our GPS. Six, yield to the, um, of seven, walk in the spirit. How are we walking? What's our walk like? Really? In a day and age where the church needs to rise up, 9-11 today, this is the day when the church needs to rise up. People need to know who you are. The days of the uh, secret service Christians, you know, the special ops Christians, in other words, the ninja Christians. I'm talking about Christians that, yeah, I'm a Christian here, and this is our headquarters. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm proud and all that. The minute we go out in the battlefield, whoa, I'm undercover. I'm an undercover Christian. Deep undercover. I'm talking about super deep undercover. You don't even know who you, that you are. You don't even know that you're deep. That's how deep we are. Think about it. Be like a police officer. Hey, I'm in uniform. Hey, I know that's a cop. That's a firefighter. That's a someone in uniform. In other words, that's a business person. I can tell there's no shame in that. Believe me, we cannot be ashamed of the Lord. Next slide. Reflections. Let's reflect. The question is, how many of us continue to struggle with these feelings and emotions? Yes, I know the pastor we talked about, uh, mentioned about the love languages. We haven't even spoken on the love languages yet. Why? Because in order to operate in them and understand them, we must clear ourselves. We must renew ourselves because that is not going to work. The love languages, it works only when we have prepared ourselves before God because he operates in those languages. Christ operated in those languages. Some of us, we operate, but not fully. There are restrictions. As we go through this coming week, let us reflect on the work that God has already done for us in and through his son, Jesus Christ. For in him alone is our hope. We are called to go out into the highways and byways to explain. And people can ask, you know, what makes you a Christian? How can I be one? Explain the hope that is in all of you. We have to be able to explain that. You don't have to be a theologian, you know, a Bible thumper, right? Just explain. Testimony. And the Holy Spirit will reveal himself. 
and we come into the final. The final note is, how may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely? And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass. Whether we decide that we don't want to partake in the process, it shall come to pass. But whatever state that you're in, it's because you have chosen to be there. God wants to take you on that journey. God wants you to submit to the transformation. God wants to complete that metamorphosis that is in all of us. What we were meant to be. We were meant to be like Adam. The state of Adam. The state, the optimal state. Of course, a couple of things happened along the way. But Jesus paid the price. So our Lord says, take up your cross. Die to thyself. And the Holy Spirit will do the rest. 